You're listening to Broke. We bring you stories about what happens at the intersection of poverty and life. I'm Joanne Goldblum. I've spent my career working with people in poverty. I'm joined by my friend Colleen Chaddix, a journalist whose beat is social justice. Today, we're going to talk about poverty and disaster. So people are very focused on Hurricane Dorian right now, yep. which is doing incredible damage and killing people and mm-hmm. um, making their lives very hard going forward. Right. But let's talk a little bit about how that experience is distinct for people in poverty. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, right? Because when you see, you know, you start with something like thinking about evacuation you know like evacuation is hard no matter what Mm -hmm. right but it assumes a certain number of things about people transportation yeah gas money Mm -hmm. um the ability to um have somewhere to stay once you've evacuated um the ability to pay your bills if you're not working right what else? Um, well, the ability to get back to work mm-hmm. in some kind of reasonable time, like, you know, right. you talked about being able to pay your bills. Right. So, you know, say I only had a week of mm-hmm. resources in the bank. Right. All I need is a laptop and an internet connection right. to work. Right. If you're in the service industry or you're in retail or you're mm-hmm. in manufacturing, your physical place of business has to be open in right. order for you to get a paycheck. Right. And also, you know, you mentioned if, if you have enough resources for a week. What's that study? There have been a bunch of studies recently that have shown us that what percentage of Americans don't have $500 in the bank? The majority. Right. The majority of people don't have the resources to weather, you know, not only a hurricane, but like a, a, car. a, a car accident. Right. Um, and, and the idea of, um, you know, telling people, expecting people just to be able to get up and leave, right? It assumes that everybody you're talking to has the kind of flexibility that you're talking about, yeah. right? So it's not just even the money to leave, it's the money to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, and we don't think about that. Like, the, the other thing is, even if you're not evacuating, right, you have to go and buy all sorts of food and batteries yeah. and candles and stuff to tape up your window and stuff to, you know, do all sorts of um, fixing your house up you know, which you can't do if you don't have the money to do it. Right. And then on the other end, um, most homeowners have insurance, right? Mm -hmm. It's built into our mortgage. We have to, and you probably continue it after your mortgage is paid off. Most renters do not have renter's insurance. Right. It is available, but you're absolutely right. Most people can't afford it. It's not, you know, required. And most of us think about insurance in terms of requirements. Right. Um, and if you're paying more than 50% of your income mm-hmm. f- for your housing, as more and more Americans are, yep. you're just not going to pay that extra few hundred dollars to get renter's insurance. Exactly. And and I think the thing that's so interesting sort of about the idea 
of disasters is we have um, you know, some degree of system set up in the U.S. to provide for disaster relief, but it's all very much after the fact. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's not necessarily so good, and that's a separate mm-hmm. conversation, but, but none of it's before. Right. And so, you know, if you don't have enough money to fill your tank with gas, what do you do? Right. So it, to some extent, keeping so many Americans mm-hmm. a paycheck away from disaster mm-hmm. is very much like having inadequate levees in New Orleans. It, right. That's, it, yes. It means that every disaster is going to be much worse. Right. And and you have to be able to find a way to, um, you know, maintain, maintain some normalcy in your life, which is why when people, you know, look at hurricanes or disasters of the past, people end up moving Mm -hmm. and not sort of in that, ooh, we're moving, isn't this exciting kind of way, but there's no way to get back. And so we, we, our policymakers think with a um, middle-class privilege type of um, framework. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't think, well, it's not just having a place to stay. Right. It's it's the whole infrastructure that makes your life work, right. which is barely there for a lot of folks. Right. And also, if you're talking about families with kids, you know, there's school, there's daycare. You're still paying for daycare even if your kids aren't there. Right. Um, you know, and and it it impacts everybody's mental health because stress, we all know stress impacts mm-hmm. our mental health, right? And so you're in this situation where you're being told that you're not safe. You don't have the money to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's this it's this other way. It's yet another example of how we make low-income families, you know, basically not have a way to manage, like to sort of say you have to evacuate, but not have a way to evacuate or a way to get back. Yeah. Um, you know, what's that about? And 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 I think that so many people respond you know one of the things that we always talk about is you know it's amazing the the um outpouring of um support there is when there's a natural disaster and you see that at your organization the national diaper bank network absolutely people people give very generously around so generously and and we really appreciate it and allows us to to respond and, and help people to get what they need but it's so interesting that so many people are comfortable supporting families who've been impacted by a disaster but not the disaster, which is so many people's lives. Well, I think it goes back to what we always talk about, right? Blaming people for their situation. I think we recognize that tornadoes and floods are something that you can't do anything about, right? You are, you are truly an innocent victim. 
but I don't think we're so good at recognizing that about poverty. We think that there are things that people can and should do to just climb out of it. Right, right. And, and, and it's just not that simple because so much of what people need to do, there's a cost to. Right. You know, even this idea, you know, if, if you are using SNAP benefits, food stamps, for, um, you know, providing food for your family, mm-hmm. you don't have extra money to go buy, um, you know, a couple canned gallons of and, milk and yeah, yeah. canned goods and stuff like that. Like, it, it's just that we, I guess what's so frustrating about it is we just don't think about it. We, we make assumptions like, okay, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be really hard. We really hope you're safe. And, and God knows it is really hard and I really do mm-hmm. hope everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we don't think about the... Um, you know, what happens beyond that. And honestly, you know, and, and I know this is what we always get back to, it's a policy choice, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a policy choice related to disaster relief, but it's also the reason that we need to have, a, a, everybody in America needs to have paid time off. Right. Everybody in America needs to have access to enough food and to to daycare for their children that isn't going to bankrupt them. Well, you know, so I've done a lot of reporting in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. a city that has still not recovered from Katrina. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a lot of blaming of folks for not getting out of the city. Right. Okay. So, you know, we talked about a car, but there's also the paid time off Mm -hmm. issue. If I'm working in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and I don't get paid if I don't show up, I might roll the dice and keep working. Of course. Because what else are you going to do? Right. And I will also say something about New Orleans. New Orleans still has not recovered. Mm -hmm. A significant number of people never came back to New Orleans because though it may have been their home and a a culture they loved, family and friends they loved, there wasn't a lot to come back to. Right. They had inadequate housing. They had low-wage jobs. And it has essentially changed that city. That was a black majority city mm-hmm. with real political power. Mm-hmm. And it's it's increasingly becoming a city of white professionals. Right. It, it was like a, a, a gentrification right. by way of natural disaster. And, and it, it is in large part because people can't afford to come back because like you say, there's nothing to come back to. Yeah. And you know, so it's wonderful that people went back down there and um, rebuilt and everything. But are they rebuilding houses that people can afford? Are people, you know, if, if somebody has to leave for six months, there aren't that many of us who can live for six months yeah. without a job. Yeah. So where did people go? And and how could they possibly come back? I mean, it's almost like the idea of returning to New Orleans mm-hmm. is privilege. It is privilege. It's yeah. not almost right. It is. It is privilege. Yeah. And you know, the fact that our country relies on um, people who can't afford to. Um, to get out when they're not safe. Yeah. 
Like, that's really messed up. And that really is all political will. Yep. Um, You know, we could do a lot related to, first off, in terms of ensuring safety. Mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of regulatory things. And, and I know I don't know nearly enough about the specifics of the regulatory things we could do. But there are lots of things we could do to slow global warming. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of research on this. Yeah. Um, and the main thing is the fossil fuel industry. That's mm-hmm. the biggest polluter. Right. Um, and, you know, we can all do things, right? right. Like I eat a lot less meat yep. than I used to. Mm-hmm. I use reusable bags and all that right. kind of stuff. And we should all do that, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really make that big a dent. We right. need we need to get off fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. We need to really cut back the defense industry, which mm-hmm. is the single biggest polluter in this country. There are things that need to be done on a macro level that aren't being done. Right. Right. And and so th- there are all of those things. So we've got energy policy and we've got economic policy. And you know, the the fact that minimum wage, the federal minimum wage is still $7.25 yeah. an hour. You can't live on that. No, you can't live on that. Th- there's no place in the country where you can live on that and save money. Right. Um, And disasters require saved money. Right. I mean, and that's really, I think, the essence of the whole issue related to disaster and poverty is that if there's no money in the bank, Mm -hmm. you don't have options. Right. Where will you go? Right. Um, evacuate it means you need to so so you know you need the money you need the car you need the gas but you need some place to go mm-hmm. um, and if you don't have friends or family somewhere that isn't close to you right so we all want to live close to our friends and family mm-hmm. so you all need to evacuate right Wh- who's going to take everybody in right no you need a credit card right a credit card right. is like a superpower that's exactly right if you have a credit card mm-hmm. you can drive mm-hmm. out of the disaster you mm-hmm. can fill up as many times as you need to and you can get a hotel room right it may be a big hit but you can figure it out later mm-hmm. if you don't have a credit card right you can't do that that's exactly right Right. And so many people don't have credit cards, don't have bank accounts. Yes. You know, Um, just recently in the last couple of days, there's been some, there have been some news stories about some companies starting to provide payday loans, Mm -hmm. provide their own payday loans. And it's really, really interesting, right? Because on one, one hand, you could say, okay, they're recognizing that um, their employees need help and the payday loan industry is out of control. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're saying, you're saying that most, there are enough employees who work for you who can't make it from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. so pay a living wage. Pay a living wage. Well, it's a strategy to right. get away with not paying a living wage, right? Right. right. So there's this there's this calculation. Mm-hmm. How little can I pay you and still keep you mm-hmm. showing up every day? Right. And right. the payday loan is part of the cost of that. Right. Right. And it's a way to make money 
yeah. off of the fact that you're not paying people enough. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really, really, um, it's complicated in a way that I don't begin to understand. You know, how we could not, um, you know, you look at temporary assistance for needy families or you look at SNAP benefits. How could we not, when we know a disaster is coming, say we're going to um, add $100 of benefits yeah. to SNAP, yeah. right? They have, there's a disaster component, right? Why don't we do things in advance? Why don't yeah. we think about prevention yeah. as opposed to you know, well, these people stayed in their homes and they shouldn't have. Well, what kind of options are there? Or yeah. <laughs> increase the benefit all the time. Well, sure. Because, I mean, you and I have Crazy. both been involved in emergency food mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, around week two of the month, mm-hmm. people start running out and they start going to food pantries right. and so forth. So these people don't have cans of soup and beans right. and pasta sitting in the pantry the way right. that we do. Right. If I couldn't get out to the store for four days, we might have some boring meals. Right. But we'd eat. Right. We'd right. always eat. Right. Because right. I, I don't have to calculate my food budget that exactly. Right. Right. And, and you know, there's also, and I think this is one of the big things that we want to make sure people think about. There's this increased um, reliance on nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the capacity. I don't have in my organization's budget money to provide diapers to everybody who's been impacted by a storm. Right. I mean, I just, I don't. Right. But we are who people look to. Right. Um, and, and, and it, you know, it, it puts everybody in these horrible positions. Um, yes, people are really generous when it comes to, you know, responding to disasters, but still the only entity that has enough money to do this is the government. Yeah. You know, um, we have great corporate partnerships. We have great private partnerships, great donors. It's just not enough money. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, and you know, I feel like people don't talk about this enough. Companies are there to make money, mm-hmm. right? That's what they do. Mm-hmm. The government isn't. No. I mean, it's not supposed to be. <laughs> it supposedly exists for the good of those of right. us who are governed, right? Right. Right. And so we shouldn't have to rely on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this whole idea of relying on the kindness of strangers, I mean, you know, we end up having this conversation all the time, but it's a sin that we have to, that, that, mm-hmm. that, that we exist, that, mm-hmm. that, that we are so, um, as a country, so unwilling to care for our fellow countrymen that, we leave it to, you know, kind-hearted people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not even kind-hearted. I hate that. I shouldn't have even... Just decent. It, just decent. Yeah. Just, you know, how, how can you not respond to that? But why is it that a disaster um, sort of seems... It seems like there's no one to blame. 
Yeah. And therefore, um, but, but you know, it, it is the government has to deal with it. And until they do, I, I don't know what, what to do, but I do know that we need to stop blaming people for not responding the way that, um, you know, that might be better in terms of right at that moment, yeah. right? So, yeah, you're taking a chance to stay in your house, but you're taking a bigger chance to be in your car and not have enough gas to get where you're right. going. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, at least you've got a roof over your head. You, you know, and I think that those are the, the decisions people are making. You know, what it kind of reminds me of is when I was a little girl during cold season, mm-hmm. mom made sure that I had orange juice mm-hmm. every day with breakfast. Right. And she really pushed hot soup. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if these things actually prevented <laughs> me getting colds, but she recognized that there was a danger out there. Mm-hmm. And her response was to strengthen me mm-hmm. so that I could endure that danger. Yeah. And that's what we need to do with things like severe weather. We right. need to put people in a position where they're not, you know, hungry or immune compromised or whatever. We, we need to like make sure everybody has orange juice and hot soup and and we can do that mm-hmm. like a living wage would do that uh, there are exactly. all sorts of things that would do that right and and so as we go through disaster season hurricane season and and you know all of these things it's really important for people to think about what it would mean to face a disaster and not have $500 in the bank, like, and not have a credit card. Yep. Or have a credit card, but with a ridiculous interest rate and and no limit. That's maxed out. Yeah. I don't even know what the limit is on my credit card. Right. Like, it's just not an issue. Right. Um, But if I was using my credit card to, you know, pay off my bills every month, Right. It would be a big issue. A big issue. And, you know, so many Americans are so far in debt. Yeah. And, you know, the idea that, you know, also there, there's all sorts of price gouging and, uh, you know, people take advantage. Yeah. Um, and people at the lowest end of the income spectrum are the most easily taken advantage of. Right. Because they're desperate. Yeah. And, you know, the fact is everybody's desperate in a storm, right? Mm -hmm. It's scary. You're not sure what to do. You're getting mixed messages in terms of, you know, what the... Where to go. Where to go and and how to get there and stuff like that. But but then there's also, you know, the, the... if you have left and come back, if your home is damaged. Yeah. You know, if you don't have the money to to float the repairs mm-hmm. if you don't have um, your own insurance, if you're renting someplace that isn't properly insured. I mean, you hear about that all yeah. the time. Oh, I met people in New Orleans, yeah. I mean, last year who were still living with incredible mold. Right. Um, their landlords didn't properly fix the buildings. Their mm-hmm. landlords may not have had the money to properly fix the building. Right. There was actually... Um, it was proven that a lot of the government aid went to the more expensive houses. The right. higher the price of your house, the higher the value, the more money that you could get. Right. And they kind of um, 
they got it all. <laughs> there wasn't much left. Right. And so then you're left with these long-term issues yeah. that, you know, in a couple of years, right now, people aren't saying, you know, maybe in New Orleans, they're still thinking about it. But by and large, there's not a lot of money coming in for mold remediation right. in New Orleans. Right. Um, you know, but it's still an issue from the storm. Right. I mean, you're still doing a lot of work with people who are affected by Harvey. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's still yeah. two years ago that it, didn't it, just resolve itself. No. And that's the thing is that, you know, we talk about situational poverty and it sort of means different things. Um, but some people go into become poor because of storms. Yep. You know, so there are some where it's sort of a, uh, um, you know, with the government shutdowns last year, um, there were people who couldn't pay their bills, mm -hmm. but they knew that when the government reopened, they'd be able to. Yeah. That they would get pay again. Yeah. But with disaster, sometimes you don't know that. You yeah. don't know that that's coming. Oh, well, I, I interviewed a woman in New Orleans. She and her husband both worked for the school district. Mm -hmm. The schools never reopened. Oh, my God. You know, the schools are right. all charter schools right, now. Right, right, right. So the New Orleans Public School District ceased to exist. So they all lost their jobs. They lost their jobs. He he has died. Um, she She was disabled after falling down in a FEMA trailer that was so narrow that um, EMTs could not get to her for a significant period of oh time. So she's she walks with great difficulty. But she's she's on Social Security disability. She has no pension from her employer because her employer no longer exists. Right. And these are the areas where there could be policy and regulatory change. Yes. Right. I mean, we could insure all pensions we could but we don't no and and that you know so you have somebody who's worked for a long time for what everybody thinks of as a really safe employer she did everything right everything that's the thing right we are so willing to blame people yeah she did everything that she was supposed to do and she is going to live the rest of her life in poverty. And that's that's a bit off topic, but you talked about insuring pensions. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the people that I know have not worked for one employer for a right. significant period of time. A lot of them are freelancing in gig jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going to happen 20 years right. from now? Right. No, it's true. And, you know, you look at... Yeah, it, it's really true. What happens if you're really counting, if you've got all your eggs in one basket, and it's a basket that there's no reason to think you shouldn't put all your eggs in. Yeah. You know, and that's the issue, is that people make good choices, and our policies allow those good choices to really be thwarted. Yeah. So what can people do? Well, I mean, you know, the, the orange juice and chicken soup. Yes. They can, they can advocate for policies mm -hmm. that are going to get people out of desperate poverty yep. so that they have a little bit of resilience. 
um, a living wage is one way. Mm-hmm. Fighting back against cuts to programs like SNAP and Section 8 and mm-hmm. TANF and, mm-hmm. and pushing back really hard and saying we shouldn't be cutting them. We should be significantly increasing them. That's a really good point. And even, you know, just before I said, well, they could add $100 when there's a disaster. You're right. We shouldn't just accept the status quo. We should be increasing, but we are so beaten down. Yeah, we're always on our back foot, I feel, about federal benefits. Mm -hmm. And there's a great argument to be made that increasing them would be cost-effective in the long run. Yeah. You know, we know that SNAP helps now, that it decreases medical costs, that Mm -hmm. kids do better in school. So why don't we invest in the success of that program? You mean instead of removing um, free and reduced lunch from half a million kids yes is that yeah no i think maybe we should expand it yeah so so certainly you know right now there is there are the comments are open on this snap issue mm-hmm. the issue related to removing categorical eligibility which is very complicated and we should actually talk about it another time yeah. in detail but but Make, you know, send in comments. You can go to the Federal Register mm-hmm. and do that. Okay. Just Google Federal Register SNAP comments okay. and it will come up. Mm-hmm. You can do it personally. You can do it with your faith community. You can do it with your PTA. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of ways that you can build local coalitions mm-hmm. and have a voice. That's, that's I think, a really, um, it's easy you can do it at night in yep. your own house. You can do it at the library. It doesn't have to be a long policy right. dissertation. Just You can just say why it offends you to mm-hmm. be taking food away from hungry families in right. your country. Right. That there shouldn't be a child in school who doesn't have breakfast or lunch. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so those are, I think, all really good things. And then the other things people can do is... Um, Certainly support nonprofits that are doing this work. Support them during disasters and after. Yeah. B- because the work continues. Yeah, you have to recognize that there's there's very little of a disaster infrastructure, right? right. There's maybe a handful of nonprofits mm-hmm. that are sort of disaster nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Most of the relief work is going to be done by anti-poverty nonprofits right. that are always overwhelmed exactly because 40 percent of americans can't meet their basic needs right so if you want to harden your community against a disaster Mm -hmm. give to your diaper bank give to your food bank give to your subsidized housing corporation do all those things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're going to help now and you're going to help later right and then there also are like i got a call yesterday from um a very nice man who is in Florida um, and his father owns a business in the Bahamas and they're taking over boatloads of relief Mm -hmm. um, to help people there you know but it again it ends up being the kindness of strangers you know he's doing this um, you know because of a personal connection and because he has the resources to do it but that can't be what the answer to um devastation is no 
I mean, in the past week, you and I both got the same phone call mm-hmm. this week about yeah. a woman in our community who's in desperate need, and mm-hmm. we're sort of on that list, right? right? <laughs> um, and we gave very similar suggestions. By the way, I found out she's all set. Yes, now. I found that out as well. But that's. That's our infrastructure. That's how we take care of people in need. People call Joanne or Colleen. Well, and so, you know, specifically with that, it's taken care of. It's taken care of because the Diaper Bank of Connecticut exists. Take care of it. Yes, that's right. It's not, you know, and and in a lot of the stuff going around, there was a lot of, you know, the kindness of strangers. Yes, it is, but it's because there's an infrastructure Mm -hmm to provide this service mm-hmm. um, and only because of this specific situation a bunch of people are like oh wow this yeah. is really an issue yeah and it was one of these things where you know um janet our friend janet who um runs diaper bank of connecticut and i were laughing because we were like yes we know this is an issue yeah <laughs> Always has been. Oh, right, exactly. You know, and and yes, it's coming to you now. But but certainly, you know, when you get to calling Joanne and Colleen, you've gone down the list. We're the largest, richest country in the world. We should not have kids who don't have a clean diaper. No. Kids who don't have food. And families who, in the face of devastation, can't leave their homes. Right. Always end. No, well, I mean, here's the upbeat thing. There's no way it has to be this way. Absolutely, we could change it. People can get loud and obnoxious Mm -hmm. and demand that we build a society where people are not living a hair's breadth from disaster every day. That's right. And if you guys want to do that with us, let us know because that's what we do. That's what we do. So let me tell you how to get in touch with us. You have just been listening to Broke. If you have a story to tell about how poverty is affecting your life, we want to hear from you. And if you want to fight back hard against the injustices that are visited upon people in poverty in this society, we also want to hear from you. You can send us an email at AmericanBroke at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 203-508-0879 and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Colleen. 